0: No, did you ever play any instruments? I don't know if i ever asked. Are we them. recording?
1: Oh uh, Yeah. Of <laughs> I knew we were recording because he <laughs> went from uh, really telling the story to going, fuck, 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 fuck <laughs> how does this turn on? Um, <laughs> no, well, I wanted to also, I played bass for one semester. No way, really. Yeah, yeah way, really. I wow. really did. And then I didn't really want to do it because what I really wanted to play was drums.
0: Oh, interesting. But my parents would not... They did not support me. I'm recording. Drums. Uh, this is not going to be in the episode. I'm just because I've been editing a lot of these episodes recently, so sure. I kind just of. For I personal know things. this is just something that I will have always. Yeah, I mean, I just like to get just get the the, the shit, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the
1: room, Well, so I wanted to play drums, and my parents were like, "That's great. Good luck buying a kit." And I was like, <laughs> "I was like, come on, like I want to buy to play drums. What about if you guys got me like an electric kit, like I can fold it up a little bit, put it in like the corner of the living room?" And they're like it's just gonna make too much noise I'm (laughs) like you can put fucking headphones in it you bitch I wanna play drums so like when Best Buy was still like at it's peak some of them would have no is that coffee we're gonna hear that I think my coffee's ready Oh, I can't believe we're uh, we're recording in the cave again Mark Maron's uh, The Garage (laughs) Um we're building some we're brewing some coffee, Put but a fresh butt on Mark. We'll re- we'll introduce you in Mar- just a Mark's second. in the back, he's making the coffee. We'll introduce you in just one hey, second. Hey
0: it's me, what the fuckerinos, I'm making some coffee.
1: What the fuck buddies, what the fuckers? Uh, uh we loved your turn in Joker, by the way. <laughs>
0: I haven't seen Joker yet. Well, That's probably what I'm gonna I've do seen this it twice. <laughs> dude well <laughs> let's start the pod officially let's start the, let's start the pod you wanna sit is, down? you want to sit down uh, i'm gonna just sit down real quick
2: you to have gonna to get gonna, to my, get my coffee's coffee. not quite done yeah all yeah. right, all right. Well, well let's keep talking listen what
1: happened you we will intru- we will introduce you in just one second i promise you can just be quiet <laughs> for a little bit okay uh, i didn't ever got my kit I would play drums at Best Buy, I would make my parents take me to Best Buy when they had like a music section, and I would beg the guy at the front, hey, can I please have a pair of sticks because I had this like demo room for the drums and stuff, and I would like just like play like the same like, like over and over and over again, and I'm sure there's like a video somewhere of me just fucking doing that in like a Best Buy like one30 PM on a Saturday when I could have been like slang pussy or something like that. Honestly. I mean that's
0: I mean that that to I don't want to get into what I was doing on Saturdays in high school instead of slang pussy because it was speech team, yes, baby. Woo. Speaking of speaking, we've been doing speaking for recording time. Two minutes and thirty nine seconds. Keep this all in. Keep it all in. We're keeping it in folks. This is the keeping it in podcast. This is it's on the list. My name is Noah Marger My name's Mason McGuire and I think I'm gonna get my coffee now. Nobody do you want to intro our very special guest? I do,
1: so uh, my guest, our guest today, uh, is a good friend of mine. He's a filmmaker, he's a writer. Um, I was privileged enough to be in his junior thesis at Chapman University, Horse Girl. Um, He actually asked me to introduce him as Joker
2: today. I didn't know such (laughs) thing. I did not. I did not say that.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to the pod, Jack Joker Campisi. Woo!
2: thank you for having we got me. the freaking joker
1: i think this is our, <laughs> this is our biggest uh, get on the podcast so far 100% hey
0: what's it like what's the movie like how do how does it feel to be reacting to so movie? so you got to be like yeah so tell us the immediate aftermath it's the the movie came out uh, mm-hmm. first time yesterday
2: yeah, uh, seems, seems, the seems like reac- reactions are pretty mixed. Uh, <laughs> everywhere I go, people are pointing at me, calling me a joker. I don't, I don't really know how to handle it, Why honestly. Gotta take I'm, your dang face paint off. Oh, wait, it's a
0: mask. Oh, shit, the Uh-oh. face on. What's the real mask that we put on for society? That's folks? right, baby. That's right. Well, that's listen, just my trick. Let's,
1: uh, that's a joker's trick. Why don't we talk? To, can we talk to the real Jack Kempese today and Yeah, Fred? sure. Okay.
0: <laughs> oh! oh! There he is, Jack and Deezy, Welcome.
1: Thank you. Did I miss anything? I said filmmaker, writer. That's about it. Did I say I miss anything? Okay, good. Uh, thank you for being here.
0: <laughs> yeah, welcome to the uh, welcome. This is uh, your uh, this is episode, episode eight. Uh,
1: episode eight. eight? That's episode big. Eight. Right. We
0: had Nina Kramer on. We had Rocky Palarito on. This is a nice. big uh, Chapman and Chapman satellite people yep. production. <laughs> 100%. Cool. Is it because it's merry-go-round? I guess that's how it happens. Well, it's yeah.
1: merry-go-round. It's, it's Carter. It's, it's Carter you. and me. <laughs> yeah, I'm right there, too.
0: Um, but, yeah, we got
1: uh, Jack on the pod today. I wonder how many times we can say that in the episode. Um, but um, thanks for being here. Um, Joker cast. Joker cast. We got Marin in the studio. We got De Niro. We were
2: lucky to get De Niro. Mm-hmm. The the big. It's a big draw, a big draw. Um, De
0: Niro, right, Bobby, do you have anything you want to say
2: real quick? No, he, he he's saying to cut him out. He's gonna cut him out. I he's don't want I don't wanna say anything. <laughs> I don't
1: wanna
0: say nothing. That's fine,
2: that's Interesting. fine. You, you okay. don't you don't have to
1: say anything. Okay. okay. okay.
2: Um, <laughs> well, uh,
1: you drove all the way up here from Orange California, is that it? We did. We
0: thought no and I did peek to peek behind the production curtain
2: a little bit. We thought we were gonna have you Skyping from no, from all the way down. I had in. nothing to do today. Wow. Well, I have things to do, but I, I wanna be here. I wanna be in the studio. That's what
1: happens when you're an adult. You literally are like, Well, I do have things I have to do, but I'm gonna choose not to do them that and I'm do a every, podcast instead. That is every day of
0: my life. Yep. Thank God I just I, so can't that's function important. without my coffee. Can't function without my coffee. This is my third cup today. And good news, folks, I'm hired. I got hired as a temp <laughs> job in a warehouse factory, literally the vape factory. Will be yes, there. nice. <laughs> Packing vapes for the foreseeable future. Congratulations. Uh, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. Nope. We're as here always, to talk about movies and music. We're here to talk about movies and music. Things that are uh, underappreciated, undervalued, underrated. Or misunderstood. Or something else. Or something else. Or just, you know, sometimes the guest comes on and they feel very strongly about particular particular work of some kind and they just want to talk about it. And that's even, the kind of energy
1: we're trying to foster here. Even if it's already perceived as very good. Maybe if, this yes. person's like, this is even better than that. Yes. So we have a
0: album that I think this was a me selection actually. I believe that you did choose the album this week, which I mean, is good that you chose that very quickly, because I was probably gonna throw <laughs> in some like Sad guy, Jason Molina bullshit, which is what I've been listening to a lot recently. Oh, not that today. Not that today. We will get to Jason Molina. I just finished his autobiography, so he's on my not Not autobiography, but I finished his biography, so he's on my mind. But today we are talking about another dead person. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's fucking crazy. <laughs> We're talking about the last and absolute final album
1: from a tribe called Qua. Jack, just to preface you a little bit, uh, we like to talk about the album, then we like to talk about the movie. Sure. So cool with you. I'll love it. Great. (laughs) Thank you, Jack. Um, We like to... We were talking about we got it from here, dot, dot, dot. Thank you for your service by A Tribe Called Quest. Yes.
0: An hour-long album. Our longest album on the show so far. 16 songs. Some would say too long. Some would say not long enough. Ooh. Ooh. And we'll find out what we think. Uh, I think... Uh, So what's your So you chose this album ch- Noah and Marjorie Yes I chose this album Give you us a uh, little, your little background Both on A triple quest And on this particular We got it from here Thank S- you for your service So I As one
1: white boy does Who lives in the suburbs I eventually started To fall in love With rap and hip hop Exactly um, And I was probably Around like Mm, early middle school I remember Eminem mm. Being like a huge Like you know Influence even Yeah 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 And like I just remember Like falling in love Thinking just like Oh like this is like The coolest genre ever Blah 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 Then realizing Oh this has not been around For very long There's like a yeah. lot of music But there this is not a very like Old genre And like Looking around And being like Well who do we have And then looking at like Rap groups And I think I discovered Like Jurassic 5 wow, like Really okay. like Kind of like early on There's this song they have Called Oh, what the fuck is like? a quality control by uh-huh. Jurassic Five, which is an incredible song. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember thinking like, oh, like hip hop groups are dope. Yeah. yeah and yeah. being like, well, what do we do we have? And then we have a tribe called Quest who who kind of came out, I want to say that they released their first album in like the early 90s, maybe late 80s. I think 80s. it was
0: in 19... Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. 90, 91 is low in theory. People's Instinctive Travels uh, in Passive Rhythm is 90. So their first... They're their 90s hip-hop duo with Fife Dog, R.I.P., and Q-Tip, <laughs> big, time. big Time R.I.P. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. But they released five
2: albums in the span yeah. of, like, eight years? So for,
0: as, like, kind of, I think, Jack, do you have, what's your history with Tricle Quest? With
2: My history with hip-hop in general is I was never into it until, I think, even recently. I've never really been to rap or hip-hop, and I think a, a lot of the, mo- like, where it, where it led to in the modern music, that's something that didn't attract me, but only recently was I, um, have I been getting into more, like, 90s hip-hop and sure. stuff like that, going back and listening to like I've I've been really into Farside and like hieroglyphics and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Farside so is dope. So going back and listening to those gave me a lot more of appreciation for Farside because um, I remember when this album came out, I wasn't I didn't really have that appreciation. I remember a lot of people talking about it and how big it was for yeah. them to come back and release this album in twenty sixteen, and I listened to it a bit but I didn't really understand it. And so going back to listen to it now was. Like, I think I have more of an understanding and appreciation for hip-hop, so I, sure. I really did enjoy listening to it. Did you have
1: any experience with The Tribe Called Quest in general, or were you kind of like, I'm just kind of tipping my toes in the water?
2: Like um, but- I, I listen to, like, Midnight Marauders and, and, and a few other albums. Sure. Um, Midnight with- Marauders with- is an
0: album that is a week older than me. Came Whoa. A week before my birthday. Oh yeah. Yeah. Wow. So if you're trying to figure, so if any fans out there want to know when to send, go on my Amazon wishlist and send me some Criterion's. Look at the uh, <laughs> release date, for or a Tribe Called Quest, Mended or send Runs. them to me, or send them to me. Yes, yes exactly. yeah. <laughs> I have some
1: Criterion's I'd like, um, yeah. but yeah, like, uh, were you when you hear the music, like, what do you think differentiates, if at all, a Tribe Called Quest from other? hip-hop artists
2: or hip-hop groups? Um, I think it's the instrumentation and the beats, and I think that's what draws me to it in a lot of 90s um, hip-hop and music and, and why I am more drawn to that than any kind of modern sure. stuff. I, I, I like like pockets of modern hip-hop and rap, but I really like a lot of the instrumentation on the earlier stuff, and I think that's that's what draws me to A Tribe Called Quest because they, were, um, they started a lot of that stuff and were big players in that scene, and I think it's interesting to listen to this album that came out I don't know how many years after the previous one. I don't know how big of a gap there was between... 18 years. 18 years. Yeah. It seems like an album that could have been released in the 90s, but it doesn't tread on a lot of the stuff that they did in the, in sure. the, like, previously. So I, I think it has a little bit of like a nostalgia factor in the same sound. It, Interesting. They, it, it, yeah, I, th- I didn't feel like yeah. it modernized I think that's so. what...
0: Uh, so uh, I think that's what I like most about this album uh, is is just what you were saying, is that it feels very Tribe Called Questy. Uh, eighteen years after eighteen the fact. years after the fact, they had broken up, gone back together, and decided to place to make a new album and start doing new music. Uh, right, like when Five Dog uh, uh, tragically passed at the age of like forty or
2: something on yeah. like diabetes complications. Uh, so, is that why they got back together? Because
0: they didn't know that. He, I don't think he knew that his health was as grave as gravely serious as it was when mm-hmm. it happened. Uh, I was just doing a little bit of reading, and it seemed that um, they had like. Gotten back, so they kind of broke it up in '98 and I think kind of buried the hatchet in like the early 2000s and started touring together as a group but not really getting new music together. And then they played on one of Letterman's final shows. And I think that that's when Fife said, you know, we should put out new music uh and then that was like maybe mid 2015 and then in march five dog passed away i remember that's like one of the first things that happened when i like i had been like fresh in la for like maybe two weeks and then five dog died did, sure. did, he, did he pass before the album
2: came out well, yes. so that's
1: like part of the lore of the album is that q-tip had to finish the album
2: oh, because five
1: dog passed away while mid recording because they were like they recorded it over this course of 2015 bleeding into 2016, yeah, okay. and then the album comes out. I think in fall of 2016, it comes
0: out November 11th. Yes, so okay. like two days after Trump is elected. Well, so that's what's really interesting about this. <laughs> that's what I, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 This, okay.
1: To say that this is a political album is the understatement of the
0: millennia. I think. Yeah, yeah. And that's what I mean. So I came into like hip hop a little later than you. Mm-hmm. I was like mid high school, I think. Okay. Uh, and I was one of those obnoxious Like kind of uh, Everything but rap and country You know music's just like canned. you gotta throw out All the rap Or <laughs> like that mentality sure. When I was in like Fifth grade And didn't know shit You Damn, know Like no. I had like this Strong opinion on the genre I had no idea about whatsoever So you were most people I was most people <laughs> <laughs> <That> was me <laughs> Yeah I, A lot of people are like that Now I feel um, But when I started like you know, in high school or whatever, and I was like heavy in the jazz band and stuff. Sure. And I remember being like kind of being drawn more towards hip hop. Started listening to like Eminem, I think like you said yeah. like Everyone's like every white kid's first rappers Like everyone knows like Stan or something Yeah, exactly uh, Or the real Slim Shady But yeah. like the first like kind of album Like hip hop album that I listened to That I like felt really like kind of connected to Was Low End Theory Was it really? Yeah, that's, and that was like when I was a sophomore Of junior in high school Of their like albums they released when they were a group That's my favorite Right, yeah yeah, 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 yeah And I love I, I love Midnight Marauders I don't have a lot of I Those two, Low End Theory and Midnight Marauders Are like the two that I would like cycle between yeah. the I listen to the most I came to low end theory because I was reading the like I went to my library and my library had like a small but mighty rap section for whatever <laughs> reason for like a like a su- southwest like a western Chicago suburbs library oh wow and I was just like looking at the triple quest I'm like I think this is a good band I hear that this is a good group and I'm reading the credits and it's like they have bass provided by Ron Carter who's this jazz bassist okay but I was drawn to that name because uh, at my high school we did a lot we would sometimes sponsor the NIU jazz band to come through and their director's name was Ron Carter. And oh, he was wow. a very like passionate, uh fiery jazz guy sure. that got like us really excited about jazz and he played and the band was really good, so I was like Oh, I didn't know Ron Carter. This is Ron Carter. It's a different Ron Carter. Right? <laughs> Ron Carter! Damn. Um, but what if. Look, so. And I had not heard. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. Probably because when it came out in 2016, I was just so depressed from, uh, you know, life. Being in Los Angeles, Being in California. Los Angeles California. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. I I think, like, Leonard Cohen had died a couple days before, too. 2016 was a brutal year for celebrity deaths. And it was like. I remember it was like. I When I was still on Twitter, I had this tweet. It was like the day. It was, like, David Bowie and Alan Rickman were the two right off the top that year. And there was, like, a week where there was, like, no celebrity that died. And I had a tweet that was when it's uh, been a week and no celebrities died. And it's Peter Parker and and Spider-Man 2 just, like, raindrops be falling on my head super happy. You know what's crazy? (laughs) Did Prince die that year? Yeah, Yeah, Prince Prince. died in April that year.
1: The, um, I remember... I don't like, I didn't really think that I liked David Bowie like an extra special amount, but I remember uh, at Chapman we have this thing called interterm, which is during the month of January, you can take one class basically for the whole month and like knock out like a requirement or something. Mm. It's pretty cool. I don't I'm sure a lot of schools have something like that. But like I remember it was like, and you only go to class for like three hours a day, basically. Mm. Sometimes more, if it depends on how many days a week your class is. But I remember sitting in my dorm by myself watching Adventureland oh, like boy. during the evening. And then, like, picking up my phone, because that's what we fucking do when you watch a movie now, is you fucking look at your phone for 50% of it. (laughs) I know, man. I know. (laughs) I know. And so I'm in my dorm, and I fucking pick up my phone, and it's like, oh, David Bowie passed away. I literally remember just, like, pausing the movie and just being like, holy shit. Like, I was, like, actually kind of sad about it. Like, and I didn't
0: think that I really was, but, like, just that year, it was just, like, person after person after person. (laughs) Fuck. It was, I don't want to think about, like, that kind of death, because it was, uh like the it was so weird it was like it felt kind of perfect that like that was the that was the year that the one good thing happened was like I'm not a Cubs fan but the Cubs winning the World sure. Series <laughs> You know what I'm saying yeah, it felt yeah. like that was the, like there's it felt like that was like the thing that needed to happen to kind of like sure. ma- like one get us prepared for the coming a literal apocalypse <laughs> Sure yeah 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 um, but it's I'm glad you bring up David Bowie because he also released a very uh uh prescient, death um, obsessed um, album like, I think two or three days before he died, which yeah. is why mm-hmm. that one in particular... Like, I think that's why that death felt so immediate. Sure. That makes uh, sense, yeah. And what's great about this is it's kind of... It is like, you know, the band gets back together, but then there's this... The lingering... Uh, uh, Fife had been battling diabetes for basically his entire life, I think. Yeah, that and I think he was having some kidney issues. As yeah, well. like he had had like a couple kidney transplants and it's just bo- his body would not take any of the transplants, so... You know, maybe this, he did see, like, the kind of writing on the wall and was like, I gotta, we gotta get, at least get one more thing out while I'm sure. alive. And I think that even though he didn't live to see the final product, he's, him and his legacy and his presence is just so felt on this album. Totally. And I think that's probably why I was put off listening, like, I put off listening to it for a long time, because I'm like, I don't know if I want to hear this guy's last will and testament. Sure. <laughs> no? Sure. But in a lot of ways, it's a, you know, like I said
1: earlier, I think like to say that this is like a political album is like, well, no shit, you know, every single song in here is just draped in like some sort of political quote unquote message, whether it be about gun violence or whether it be about homelessness or poverty or just some political issue. And what's really interesting is that this comes out in March of 2016 you know, it comes know. November. He dies in March. Oh, November. I'm sorry. You're right. It comes out in November yeah. of twenty sixteen. And what it feels what it feels almost as though is that while they were recording, it's the end of the Obama administration pushing through. Mm-hmm. And the last song in this album is
0: called The, the Don- Donald. Yeah, and they and they sample, I think, the election results. Yes. I think they use that as a sample, mm-hmm. which is like, you know, Trump gets elected on November 9th, I think. Yeah. And this album comes out two days later. It's just insane that they were like, it's wow. like the South part schedule. 100%.
1: Yeah. 100%. And it's like, really? Okay, Obama's, you know, he's going out. Trump's getting elected. Here we are. It's the Donald. And it kind of leaves almost like, I mean, the album's fucking long. It's an hour long. Yeah. And it, it kind of gives you that last final taste of like, Maybe the album's over, but, like, there's a lot more still to come. Exactly. You know, even yeah. though Fife is no longer with us, Obama's no longer with us, quote-unquote. Right, right, right. But now it's about to get a lot more hairy, and I don't know. It's just a really kind of prophetic little piece of the album that yeah. you, is just kind of subliminal, but if you take a second to look at it, you're like, oh, man, like, that was very
0: purposeful. Jack, do you have any thoughts about We've been talking going back and No, forward, no you're
2: good. I, I was just kind of thinking about the last track specifically. I wonder if it would have been mixed that way that would have even been the last track if he not had one if he had one election yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. because I mean that's exactly what happened with South Park they totally rewrote the episode I wonder if that track might not have even been on there or if the album would have been cut or just you know mixed a different way based on the election results so I think that's that's an interesting
0: I think it would have been different I think so there's a nice little symmetry I was reading I listened to this twice like I normally do with the albums first I was listening to it walking here Walking to the library this time. Walk into the library. Walking to the library, just put on my headphones, walked, and just like, I, it's like a, I don't know, 15 minute walk, and I just like kind of sat down in a chair and just listened to the last 45 minutes or however long it was, and there is and just, you know, let it dissipate. Listen to it again, was reading along with the, uh, with the lyrics, uh, and it's interesting on Genius, they point out, the first lines of the album are Q-tip, five saying Q-tip saying the last lines of the album. Oh. It's supposed to rhyme saying five Dog. Sure. And then it just mm-hmm. cuts out. Yep. Uh, I also, I love how abruptly this ends too. Yep. Um, and it's like, I think it's more so in the second half of the album than in the first that it is more concerned with death and the body and where we go when we, which makes sense we, if you
1: thought, think about how they were, how this was recorded. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and I don't know, man. I mean, I'm a, I'm a spooky, spooky dark boy and I love things that are just death obsessed. Sure. And so this is a good, uh, I really, I really like this album. Yeah. Good. What about you? What, what do you think of there? this album, Jack?
2: I listened to it on the way here. No! yeah, oh my God! I, I've been putting it off and I forgot to listen to it. I wasn't as able to listen to like a lot of the lyrically stuff. But a were you, lot. Of,
1: were you experiencing this for the first time?
2: Um, I had listened to it probably once or twice when it came out, when, okay. when there was a lot of hype and talk about it. Yeah. Um, so it probably has been like two or three years since I've listened to it. Okay. But... What stood out to me was a lot of the sampling, I really, I was just thrown off by them sampling uh, Gene Wilder, Willy Wonka on the first song. Oh, first yeah. Program. I thought I, that really took me by to surprise. I thought that was funny. And I'm pretty sure, I don't know, because I was listening to this like 30 minutes ago. On Moving Backwards, is uh, is Anderson Pack It's Anderson it? Pat Okay, Pat's that's Pat's what I that thought. One. That's yeah. my favorite song on the That album. song was good. I really liked... Um, Black spasmodic. Yeah, black
0: spasmodic was. Uh, yeah, that was my favorite on the second go.
2: I I really liked like the reggae beat behind it, and sure. I, I I that's one that stood out to me anyway. On
0: this
1: generation, they sampled the Pasta Duchy song. If you guys know that, <laughs> yeah, Pasta yeah. Duchy on the left hand side, like they sampled the kid going this generation. <laughs> it's so like fun the way
2: they. Do
0: uh, that. I really want to stand up and speak for Solid Wall of Sound just because I love an Elton John. Oh, it's awesome. That one was good. Uh, and that was like I was walking. And I was really into the album. I was like really listening to it. I was really liking it. Starts it starts out then, really strong. And then the all game. of a sudden it's just yeah. solid wall, the sound from uh Benny and the Jets, and I'm like, we're going, baby, yeah. we are ascending here today. <laughs> yeah, dude. And
1: that open I think their opening song, The Space Program, Yeah, 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 yeah. It's pretty like Kinda of tells you this is the album that you're about to listen to. Yeah. yeah. Kind of throw it's that classic intro paragraph that teachers love, you know? Here's what <laughs> I'm thesis. even talking about. Thesis. It's the a yeah, thesis, yeah, yeah. baby. It is. It tells you exactly this is the kind of album you have to look forward to. And if you don't like it, you probably shouldn't stick around for the next, you know, fifty-five yeah. minutes yeah. or whatever
0: it is. So, Jack, our rating scale on the show is would you recommend it to somebody or would you not? And you can qualify that however you wanna. So,
2: how do you feel about this album? Would you recommend it or? I would, That's what we're about I, I would recommend it to someone who likes hip hop music. Yeah. Going into it. Um, so yes, I would. I think that would be
0: mine too, is it's not like it would if someone was interested in Called Quest, this is not where I'd say start. Sure. So if somebody sure, was already yeah. less like already interested in them and for whatever reason, you're like me, and this for whatever reason passed you by in 2016 you haven't listened to it yet, I think it's worth going back and listening to it because I think it captures that time so well, and it's also and it deals with a little more timeless stuff, too, I think. Like, I think so, too. Like, like like uh, like just loss, and and, uh, and it's just kind of worth it, because Fife Dog was a very, uh, he kind of shaped a lot of hip-hop, especially on the East Coast. I, I think, I don't know anything about rap or anything, but he's a very influential rapper and just a very skilled, gifted musician and artist, and I think that this is his last you got to kind of give it, give him tribute at that. Sure. You know, if you respect
1: him at all. I, I would agree. I would not openly recommend this to someone. I would think that this is someone, or I would not openly recommend to everybody. I think that this is something that you have to kind of already be into. Yeah. So to speak, it's definitely not a good leader into Tribe Called Quest. I think low end theory is probably your best lead in. And then Midnight Marauders and then their first album, you know, blah, 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 skip around. But, um, I mean, I think it's a great album. That's the reason I picked it. Um, it did receive critical acclaim it when it That's came the thing out.
0: The it was one of the most well-regarded albums of that year.
1: So to say that it's underrated might not be the best word for it, but I think this is a, again, it's probably a little too long. It's probably some songs that maybe don't need to be in the album, but considering the fact that this was literally his, like, dying thing that he was doing, it's their last album ever, they're, like, the production of everything... There's something for everybody that likes yeah. rap and hip hop on yeah, this, yeah, and yeah, like definitely. you know, regardless of how long you think this album should or should not be, it's a recommend for me. I wouldn't necessarily call it underrated, but I would say that it's something that might be a little bit underappreciated, yeah,
0: because yeah, yeah. of
1: the fact that yeah. it was so timely, and now we're three years out.
0: Yeah, and it's so new, and I think it's just like you know, I think that <laughs> we're. on Roughly maybe three year cycles Of when we start to like Critically evaluate stuff With a little It's also the end of the decade Yeah Yeah, It's the end of the decade Uh,
2: New election cycle yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, baby. Yes.
0: Uh, but I'm with you. I think that, like, as we approach the end of the decade, I think this is something that should stand up with, like, kind of in conversation with a lot of the other greats of the decade. Whatever genre that decides, whatever genre fits that for you. Or whatever, whatever, you, you that whatever you want. Whatever you want. It's going to for, you. We're not going to force you to listen to anything on the podcast. Who gives a shit? Who fucking cares? <laughs> I don't fucking care. Hey, Trump's the, Trump's the fucking president. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Oh, hey, God.
1: I think we're done talking about. We think we got it from here. Thank <laughs> think, you for your service.
0: Uh, I think we are, and we are going try. This is a uh, very musical episode. It is a musical episode. It's a very musical episode. Would you like
2: to sort Jack, of? This intro? is Jack's
0: choice. This is guest choice. Choice movie this week. Guest choice. Guest choice. Guest coins movie. This yeah,
2: week? Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, two thousand one, <laughs> directed by John Cameron Mitchell, starring John Cameron Mitchell, and starring yes, and yes. written by and written
0: yeah. by well written by him and Stephen Trask. It's yeah, yeah all the Music. Yeah. You know, yeah. All
2: the music. Um, this movie was brought to my attention last summer. My mom works at um, Ensemble Theater in Cincinnati. Shout mm. out. Shout out. And Shout out they to were, Cincinnati. They were doing this. Sh- they were doing this show. My mom said, This is one of the best shows we've done. I wish I could fly you out here to see it. What does she do at the theater? She does a lot of uh, fundraising for them in marketing. Cool. and marketing. Um, oh, nice. And they're a nonprofit theater, so she's always trying to like find sure. donors and stuff like that's that.
0: A, that's a hard job. Yeah, yeah my mom worked in a non-profit. She, I understand she's it. done a lot of
2: nonprofit yeah. work. Um, and she said, "This is we have this in... I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but it was someone who had played Hedwig in the past. I think earlier on in Ensemble's career, maybe like 15 or 20 years ago. Oh, wow. And so it was a, a big deal for him to come back and reprise, and the, reprise role. the role. And my mom was like, this is just an incredible show. And I I couldn't make it back home to see it, but I did see that the movie was on Filmstruck. Rest in peace, Filmstruck. R.I.P. Filmstruck. R.I.P. Filmstruck. Filmstruck. Criterion Channel going strong. Yeah. You'll have to to see it, folks.
1: I would say, no, just a little side tangent. Okay. Do we like Filmstruck or Criterion Channel more? Do we, does it matter?
0: Uh, sidebar.
1: It doesn't think, matter. To I me. don't think it matters that much. It's, it it's a really streaming functually service functually and a lot of the same, same movies things. are on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Great. Let's move on. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Verdict. They're the same. Doesn't yeah. fucking matter. <laughs> don't do anything we tell you to
1: do on this show. <laughs> Who fucking cares?
2: <laughs> Sorry, Jack. You're all good. I watched the oh, movie, boy. I instantly became obsessed with it. Um I just thought it was interesting and, and just figuring out how it was made and uh, and learning more about the actual History of it all, H- history of it all, and how it was an off-Broadway musical yeah. that then was optioned as this movie, and I don't know if it. The only reason I picked it is because anytime I bring it up to someone, no one has any clue what it is or what it what it's about. Interesting, so, fits okay. the bill of kind of what yeah, we do on this yeah. yeah. Maybe interesting, maybe interesting. back in the, back in two thousand. Maybe it had a little bit more attention I know that it won I think he won Best Director at Sundance And this was like a big well, it, was a, it was a Sundance
0: Yeah, it was a Sundance Labs It was based off of his uh, initial Off-Broadway, Off-Broadway musical Right uh, it was I off have, Broadway and then it went to the West End in London then in,
1: in 2000 and then it went to being a movie and right. then it didn't get a Broadway show until 2014. Yeah, yeah Neil Patrick Harris, fucking Neil, Neil Patrick Harris, Harris. Uh, Neil Patrick Harris uh, Andrew yeah. Rannells, and I think even John Cameron Mitchell came back and did it for a little bit. I think Ooh, so. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Andrew Rannells is a hell of a performer. He used to play Elder uh, Price
0: Okay, this uh, is a, so I'm looking, I'm reading at uh, the uh, Hedwig and the Angry uh, Wikipedia. There's a paragraph in the first in like the in the abstract kind of section second mm-hmm. paragraph despite largely positive reviews from critics and audiences the film was a box office bomb grossing only 3.6 million on yeah, an estimated I 6 million budget yeah. and I can see it but yeah. I think it's just kind of like to say that it was a bomb for making like half of it's like initial budget initial budget when it's like a 6 million dollar movie I'm kind of amazed that this movie made three million dollars in the film that's fair it's totally fair I also like There was a crazy thing with this where it was like I had for whatever reason thought that this movie was way older than it actually was Mm -hmm. I thought it was from like the early to mid 90s not the beginning of the 20th 21st century not from 2001 nothing in nothing in particular about it like uh it was just, like, my misunderstanding of, like, the kind of context. Well, that's when the made. show
2: started. That's when I that's yeah. started doing it in the... the to me, that's back what I was thinking. Like, maybe it's, like, any time yeah. I've heard it talked about, it
0: I was, like, oh, it was this this show from the late 90s or whatever yeah. that turned into the movie in the early 2000s. Yeah, this is my first time watching this. No, what about you?
1: Yeah, so I had actually heard of the movie for a long time. I heard... Yes, me too. I was one of those that was, like, oh, Hedwig, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then when the Broadway show came to be in 2014, I was still in high school... <laughs> I was heavily involved in my theater department in mm. high school, and so it was like, oh, like this is not only a show that like theater people are gonna like, this is a show that like people who just like good music are gonna like, yeah, you know, but <clears throat> not people who like. D- good music and also live in fucking Gary, Indiana. You know, this right, is not, right, this right, it's right. not like that kind of show. Yeah. It's maybe a show that, I don't know, maybe people who live in uh, fucking Manhattan will really dig because it's a little bit, I don't know, gay.
0: Edgy. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a it's got one that it's got, it's, it's, it's a, it's a little edgy picture, especially for 2001. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. yeah, yeah you know, yeah, exactly. like it, I mean,
1: yeah, I mean the, it's interesting because it is actually very philosophically cryptic a little bit. I feel like it's very philosophically like uh in charge with the whole idea of like who, can we really be whole? What does it mean to be whole? Like, that whole idea. I see that mm. all throughout the movie, and they talk a lot about Greek myths, and, like, mm-hmm. Gnosis, which is one of the characters of the main characters of the movie's last name means knowledge, right? Yeah. That they say that in the movie. Like, Tommy Gnosis, yeah. Tommy Gnosis. Michael
2: like, Pitt, baby! Michael Pitt. We <laughs> yeah. love
1: some Michael he Pitt. He glows up in this movie. He does glow up. He's <laughs> such oh. a fucking dork at the beginning. <laughs> he fucking glows <laughs> up where Miss uh, where Hedwig goes in and uh, gives him a little happy ending in the tub is, like, the moment in the movie movie where you're like oh he's about to glow throws up throws <laughs> the card yes throws the card that's that what made me so sad I was like the card's gonna melt in the tub I no <laughs> it made me so sad but so I had heard of the movie knew it was a Broadway musical knew it was like one of those things knew it was a movie just never a movie that I really got around to knew that Jack liked it a lot didn't know why Jack liked it a lot. It was like, who fucking cares? It's a fucking movie about like, someone with a one-inch something hanging yeah, from their yeah. legs. You know, and it was like, okay. And then finally, because of this podcast, you know, it was time. Luckily, it's on HBO Go right now, yeah. so didn't have to this Oh, so this, this was time. your first time watching it? It was my first time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it I was my first time. It. Never had seen it before, and uh, definitely a
0: movie with some pretty jaw-dropping moments. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, without a doubt. So, how do we get the angry edge? On HBO, on HBO Go, despite being despite getting a recent Criterion spine, I know. Think about that. Not on the Criterion Channel streaming service. It was.
2: What? It was for about a month, right, uh, right when it came out, okay, and I'm sure okay. they took okay. it so people would buy this Not smart, like me. yeah,
1: like you. Do you have, do did. you have the? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: I, I bought it uh, during the most recent sale. Any good uh, extras on there? There's a really great um, documentary, which is it's in like standard quality on uh, on YouTube called "Whether You Like It or Not," and that that was. I think how I just became more and more obsessed with it. It tracks the, the it's like, like Stephen Trask and John Cameron Mitchell talking about the origins, and there's a lot of great footage of John Cameron Mitchell, um, actually performing at I think it's called Squeeze Box in okay. New York, which mm. was a, a gay, it was like the only gay punk club in New York. So oh, he wow. he went on stage in this character and sang a lot of the songs that are in the. Musical it was like movie. a drag and, show. First. Yeah, yeah, and and it was interesting because he talked about. A lot of people went onto the stage and it was a lot of lip syncing and stuff like that, but he went up there and was actually playing this character and, sure. and it was just kind of different for the actual squeeze box and then and so I think they had been connected at that point were writing music and then I don't remember how it transitioned to being a musical and they started writing this story. but the character of Headway was all based on someone that uh, John Kerry Mitchell knew when he was living in um, this small town and his dad was an army general. Oh, interesting and so the, it, it was this woman that he would like hang out with in the trailer park who was a german um like gi's ex-wife okay and so she was just living by herself in this trailer park oh wow and this was a story that he had told steven trask and Stephen Tras was like that's a very interesting character we should do something with that and i think that's where um the origins of hedwig came from wow and so that dog roots in reality for yeah. something yeah. That's, so it, that's so fantastical and, and i think but, that was yeah. it was rooted in like the stories that she would tell him and, and all that kind of stuff. And I almost feel like Tommy Gnosis was a lot of him as well. Like, like as like, a young boy? That yeah, makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember even. In this documentary, they were talking about doing the film adaptation, and they wanted John Cera Mitchell to play Tommy Gnosis as well. Oh, and and, and like the hmm. duality of that, and I don't even I don't know if that's It would how it thematically was work. It would yeah. thematically
1: work. I don't know about kind that of though. like the other
2: half and yeah. stuff like that. But um, so, can I ask yeah. what is it about
1: this in particular? Because you are a, as far as I know, a cis white man
0: yep. from the Midwest. Which is mm-hmm. the uh, let me count at the table the third cis <laughs> white man at this table uh, on this oh. podcast right. talking about a hip hop album. And a trans musical. So, with all that being said, uh, we're a bunch ab- of dumbass boys. Like that's what we're saying. We're doing our best to appreciate this with the context we know. but
2: we're <laughs> taking a big head of a joint. <laughs> um, what is it about this so that you love so much? We ask for your patience, folks. <laughs> well, there, the reason I love it so much is her character. Um, also, I've I've always really loved mu- like musicals either based on. Something something, or, or like movies that come out of it. But I think um, this movie just did something very different with it. And I think they talk about this in the documentary about how do we make the jump from Broadway to this? What can we do on a stage sure. that we like that? What can we not do on a stage that we can do with film? And I think the one part that they talk about is in one of the songs where Tommy Gnosis or no, she's leading Tommy Gnosis through all this like hanging. Yeah, um, that's all uh, the hanging laundry. And, yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. like, that's just something that you can't empirically do on stage no
1: not in the same way
2: you can do it in film right yeah and I think I also love a lot of the um the moments in this film where um where the magical realism comes in the wig in the box sequence is one that always sticks out Incredible. to me mm-hmm. and there are a lot of stage performances because it's rooted in a band and so I think that's the kind of difference and reason why I'm more attached to this because I like the music and I, I love the music and the um but it's not musical per se it's it's more a band playing these songs sure. and um the magical realism sticks out but a lot of the it's still a lot of like playing on a stage which which yeah. is part of the musical yeah.
0: and i think that um <clears throat> excuse me uh i also i like that you brought up the music because i just want to get into it because i think that this i had not i think the only bit of the soundtrack i had heard was uh when the neil patrick harris revival was coming around i want to say i was heavy into like an npr podcast point at that time and they're talking about the production of the musical and they played a little bit of of hedwig and the angry inch or i've got an angry inch and i was like oh and that, that kind of let that be my impression of what the music was mm-hmm. um and this is like a rock opera i mean under yeah. rock opera but it's a rock musical it's very indebted to kind of like a, uh, Tommy. Like Tommy and like glam, like kind of glam rock. It's very... Mm-hmm. Very David Bowie. Very David yeah. Bowie. Very, very glammy. Uh, but I was not expecting so much of the music to be just so like sensitive, <laughs> I guess. Sure. In, in a way, you know, it's there's a lot of like great rock songs, but I think that there's a sensitivity to it that I really like. And my favorite song, my favorite song, the one that I just keep needing to go back and listen to is The Origin of Love. Sure. Uh, it's a beautiful track. It's a beautiful track and that was like, that was a moment when I was watching the movie and I just kind of, it just kind of took my breath away because I was like not expecting it and in the movie, Especially with this, the animation. And exactly. It was that's the thing is I was not ready for, and that's another thing that you can't do on stage. I'm or sure is like, a lot harder to do Exactly. On, so yeah, sure. And I'm sure like the product, like, you know, each individual production finds their own way to like stage that particular song the way it was, but I, um, the animation, it was just so... I don't know, how, to, how would you describe the animation style? It,
2: surreal. It's very surreal. It's very, but very minimalist also. Yeah, and it's, it's like a duck- paper, duck- paper duck- cutout. It's like drawn with crayons or like markers. And very yeah. simple lines. Yeah. yeah. Yeah,
0: it feels kind of like, like, uh, like almost cave drawings in a way. Oh, that's I'm interesting. Yes, yeah. very, very ancient. Very ancient. Um, that's a good really good point. Yeah, and uh, talking, and it's just this
2: beautiful, I think, I just think it's a beautiful song. What are you guys' favorite tracks on this? I enjoy the entire album. The, the whole thing. <laughs> You're a fucking that. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, I, I, Noah and I talked about the two different versions of Wicked, Little Town. The, Wait, yeah. yeah. The, so I think they're very different, and I like the one earlier, and I do like the one at the end. The one that always strikes out to me, or stands out to me, is the I think the second time they sing it, way at the end, and it's... Um, just the two of them? It's, it's just the two yeah. of them. Is that the it, Tommy Gnosis yeah. version, technically? No, or is that I Hedwig? think that's the Hedwig version. Yeah. The Tommy Gnosis one is earlier, and I love that one because... There's the wide shot of both of them, and I think he's lit with like a a solid blue light, and she's um like backlit by that red light. Yeah. Yeah. And I love it because it doesn't. I mean, obviously, because it was two thousand one, and they couldn't like do it like computer and like make it look like a huge space. It looks like they just got a huge space and turned out all the lights. Yeah, and looks like like shot two lights of them. Yeah, Yeah, and 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 I'm like they're in a physical space right now. It doesn't feel, but it feels like a void. And you would be able to
1: tell computer versus practical in that. I think that that is my favorite song on the track. Is the Hedwig version of Angry. Well, I like both versions of Wicked Little Town in different ways. In the mo- within the context of the film, uh-huh. it's the Hedwig version yeah, that yeah. really gets me North going. The, the one at the end. Yeah. But in terms of just a song, I think the Tommy Gnosis version is the version I prefer just like right. by itself. Sure. Um, but I was going to... I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit <laughs> here. Um, it's... In- I Maybe mean, not even devil's advocate. I just think it's worth bringing up. The structure of this story yeah. has to work better on stage. I think. I think uh, I don't oh, know because I've
2: never seen. I it. Don't,
0: well, what's your what's your what's your justification
1: for that? What's your thinking for that? I think because it is a story. It's a memory play. Yeah. And the memory aspect on stage, because you are pr- confined to one proscenium, one viewpoint. Sure. Yeah. It is able to kind of flow in and out of one viewpoint. Not to say that it doesn't work in the movie, but I have to believe that just, like, the way that, the, like, that framing device of, like, this is going to be a memory play. Yeah. And a lot of the time in film, you would typically write this, I think, different. I think you, it, because if it's not right. being adapted, I think it would be written in a way that's, like, maybe you don't necessarily start when he's a young boy and you do the chronological thing. Sure, Maybe yeah. you do something that's a little bit more like, I don't know, you, you, you get little glimpses here and there and it's like kind of them following because what they're following tommy the entire time yeah yeah yeah. i think that that just because it is an adaptation from the stage they decided to keep that structure of the memory play and they decided to keep that structure of the we're gonna do a song and then we're gonna kind of learn a little bit about hegwig and then we're gonna advance the story i have to that was kind of one of those things that while i was watching i was like i feel like this is very much taken from the stage and obviously because it's a play like no shit but like that, to me, just stood out. Like, if this wasn't taken from the stage, I feel like this would have to be written differently.
0: I agree, I think. Okay. I think that you're... I think that you're right that if this was like... I was I wanted to bring up uh, Christine Vacken, Vachon. I don't know. She's the produ- She's one of the producers on here. Yes. Uh, her studio Killer Films uh, put up money. I don't know if they put up money for this, but they produced it. And they do. She's um, Todd Haynes' producer. And Todd Salons. And Todd Salons. Yes. Uh, DeLuca was involved with this also. He was. And uh, not only this is a New Line movie, which is I think it was acquired by New Line. Was it? I, I it's think for distribution. so. Yeah. Like yeah. after after uh, Sundance and all that stuff, I think it came up. Uh, but, um, I think that I maybe agree with you that if this was being adapted for, cause like in my mind, like I don't see a ton of like stage musicals movies. Sure. Uh, I think the last one I can remember seeing was. Lay Miz. You know, it okay. was kind of like the last high profile one, and I don't think they changed that one too much. Okay. They didn't. <laughs> they, yeah, they really didn't. They just gave a guy who's, uh, d- 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 the the style is, uh, is, uh, <laughs> <Canted> Angles! <laughs> and Dirty! Uh, <laughs> and Russell Crowe singing, <laughs> One as a more style. Day to Revolution <laughs> uh, Yeah. But I like that she kind of, uh, I don't know if I necessarily, I think I agree with you that this would have been changed if it was, if, the, if we, they made an adaptation of the Broadway play in 2014, instead of it, like having this kind of like circling around and getting a Broadway show, uh, doing this like world tour, getting a movie, they probably might have cut around it and tried to make it a little more conventional. But what I really like about the way that it exists now is that it still feels like a play. It totally does. But in the movie theater, and that's kind of like how I felt about Rocket Man too, which is sure. why I like Rocket Man a lot. They're and, actually very similar. I, I, think, like, I yeah. think they are very similar. Uh, I would, de- I would definitely double feature uh uh Hedwig. Hedwig. with Hedwig would be like the B would be the B kind of role for or the the B on that on that on that, that bill. Yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah it'd be Rocket Man and then Hedwig. Not for like quality sake, but just because it's like you go out you start big and then you wanna give people something to chew on before their night's over. Sure. But like I I appreciated how the story was like we were discovering it was kind of like a story about a uh, Hedwig learning how to accept this 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 thing. thing. This her whatever their like except their identity and the fact that they're, uh, that's what I, I think is just so beautiful, what's so great about, like, just the final shot of the movie. I was just to say, the final shot is perfect. Yeah. It is perfect, where it's like, um, you know, there's like an animation sequence in between what Little Town and the final shot of the movie where it's the, there's this tattoo on Hedwig's lake, but?
2: It's, it's like her hip, I think. Hip somewhere. It's yeah. like these two
0: symbols that are like, uh, like, opposed to one thing and then at the end they like, kind of come together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's like, this great, like, like, kind of zoom out from that, or, like, pull back mm-hmm. as she's walking down this, uh like, this Alley. dark alleyway, and you just kind of, like, she looks like this void walking through, but then coming into the light and walking off with the rest of their life, and, like, it made me feel strangely hopeful. Totally. Yeah. You know? It kind of makes you, it kind of gives a sense of, like, maybe
1: she hasn't figured it out, but she's gonna be okay. Yeah, exactly. You know? which yeah. is just a perfect, it's a perfect ending shot, and you just, after that whole sequence, and the fucking what Jack was just talking about of Tommy and Hedwig looking at each other with the lights and in that space and them just singing to each other and not being able to even express that in the words. By yeah. Having the yeah Cause
2: there's the even songs. a part where they both stop and the song keeps going. Yeah. Neither of them are singing I know. And, oh, and it just yeah, keeps, yeah. like the song keeps going. And I, I think that's part that always stands out to me. It's incredible. It's yeah.
0: beautiful. I also want yeah. to just say that this, this movie fits a lot into its 92 minutes.
2: Totally, and that's another. We didn't even talk
0: about like the uh, the kind of subplot with the uh, guitarist. Oh, going for rent. Yeah, going for Rent, that whole kind of thing. <laughs> Which is another thing. I thought for whatever reason that John Cameron Mitchell also wrote Rent. I don't know where I got this shit well, from. Well, it's Jonathan Larson. It's Jonathan Larson, I know. And I remember le- ner- learning that, like, Jonathan Larson died the day of the first preview. And I was like, oh, like, it's weird uh, that there's all this Rent stuff in it, even though I thought the creator died. And the creator of Rent was the creator of Rent in the end. My brain's stupid, guys.
1: You know what's interesting is that John Cameron Mitchell was offered a role in Rent. Really? But we had to turn it down because he was doing... Hedwig and *The Angry Inch*. <laughs> and I think he, he was offered he, *Angel*. Interesting. Yeah, he
2: also talks about *Rent* being like not a true rock musical, and I think that was almost their like jab at it. Oh, interesting. Um, and, and they, they think. I, know, really I, I actually haven't seen *Rent*, so I, I don't. I can't really speak. Rent's on a it.
0: Rent's a complicated. There's a lot. Of, you, you gotta. You gotta. When you sit down and watch *Rent*, you're not just watching the play. You're kind of reckoning with its whole. History, I think. I've seen. I've seen the You've movie. Seen the, and I've, I've seen, seen the movie as well. I've seen. I've never seen like a professional production, but my sister was in a summer stock show. Oh, that's cool. A couple years ago, and they put on a good. They put on a good show. It was a good show. What do you when you say if you have to wrestle with everything that it's about? Well, I mean, what do you it's you just like it? I understand that you can. That kind of it's a thing that uh, uh, cultural cachet is so huge like it was like this it's this huge like kind of broadway sensation the same way that like hamilton was sure and hamilton is also something that because it's so big everybody has the context on uh, like a context or a different take on it and you know, I understand people that like struggle with addiction have issues or you know folks in the LGBT community have their issues with rent. but I also understand that it's a very multifaceted it's a it is a show that respi- inspires a lot of multifaceted responses. Sure. I don't know quite how to summarize them all because I just cannot get my head around. There's it. just so many people in that show that are that's the with other thing. Yeah. yeah and it is like I mean, it's not like it doesn't I don't think imbi- like like I think Hedwig and the Angry Inch has like a rock and roll spirit to it. Totally. You know, I, that I don't think uh, Rent necessarily has. I think it is just using kind of like rock.
2: As like a vehicle.
0: It's like a vehicle. It is more it is more concerned with being like an opera. It's like, an adaptation of Love La, La, La Boheme or yeah. It's more reproached with like being like an opera than an actual like musical. And I can understand why John Cameron Richard will be like, Oh, this isn't this isn't rock and roll. You know, I don't know. That's my, that's the, that's the rent's corner. <laughs> we're learning not only we're learning about the Mason McGuire school
1: of how to book a film showing, but the Mason McGuire theater theory as well. Um, any closing thoughts about Hedwig, Jack, our beautiful guest who came to um, Orange?
2: I don't know. I'm trying to think. At least my defense of the structure, Yeah. if we want to jump back into that. Yeah, let's please, please, please. I, I like the structure of this movie because we learn about Hedwig, Hedwig throughout this and, um, and it's it's like doled out to us, and, and I think every rewatch I I give to it, that's what I like pick up more and more on, and how everything kind of carries over, and um, and also song structurally, like it kind of sure. it it moves through the story, and there's, you know, when he's uh, with the like lieutenant, like sing oh, sugar yeah. daddy, yeah, yeah, and yeah. so that that's like one of that's like his first love and stuff like that, and then and then it jumps into right after that angry inch because it talks about this uh, the. The For, like, like yeah. the botched sex operation that was forced upon him, and I think that was also something interesting when I was listening to an interview with John Kerry Mitchell It is like the character is trans, but it was something that was forced upon them like they right. were they, it wasn't uh their own instinctual choice, yeah, so it wasn't yeah it wasn't a, a choice sprung from their identity it was like a thing that was given to them yes, yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. C- kind of forced upon them to leave the actual country so because uh, I think um John Kerry Mitchell just released a Podcast musical called Anthem Homunculus, which is on Luminary. Okay. I didn't finish it. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) It's It's a swinging
0: (laughs) endorsement. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah.
2: I I need to. I think it was also because my free trial of Luminary ran out. Amen, brother. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. And, um, but there's a true millennial experience is <laughs> like signing up a <laughs> yeah, like 30 day free trial, yeah. listen to one podcast and then not, and
1: then yeah. fucking forget to cancel. So you just yeah. have like five oh, dollars every month that you just can't <laughs> have. Do I
0: still oh. have an audible subscription? Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> But in that, or I was listening to some interview about that. And I think he talked about, um, playing roles that like, you're not, um, you don't know or something like that. Yeah, sure. And, and kind of being outside of that. And I think he talked about referencing Hedwig where it's like oh well he's he's gay but he's not trans sure so could he play that role at least like a lot of the things that it's a good conversation ever, to be yeah. Yeah. it is a
0: very complicated conversation and it's also like this is a conversation that's not gotten uh, that's there's not really been any answers around it I don't I mean I think that it's yeah and it's like I was thinking about this movie comes out 10 years after Silence of the Lambs which I think is the sure. last like a very high profile the last very high profile uh, or somewhat high profile th- Piece of media which has a uh, uh, a a character whose gender expression and identity is also in flux, sure. and it's treated very differently in Town of the Lambs. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, and I mean, again, this is just the dumbass cis boy hour right here. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just talking, we're trying to <laughs> take yeah, it over. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. wants
2: our opinions on this. Yeah, can can everyone, everyone
0: wants up? to know what we think about the issues. I mean, I it's so complicated, and I don't know where to. You know, I i don't know how to have this conversation just because it's like not my been experienced like this 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 gender sure thing. like sure i have you know everyone has their kind of ups and downs of like who am i and like this sense of identity but it's like at the end of the day i still but uh, that's I'm what just, so like, much like, what heavy you is know, about yeah it's like it is and i would like to hear what people from like the trans community thinks about this if you have any articles or whatever please send them my way if you just want to have a conversation about it i'm very interested I think this is an interesting cultural product for its time, and especially mm-hmm.
2: now. Um, there is an article that I've read. A, there's
0: an article. Oh, oh. Um, it's a,
2: it, it it um it looked at how Hedwig's mu- Hedwig and Tommy are playing the same songs, but Tommy gets the recognition because he's a straight white cis male. Right, right, right. And and Hedwig oh, it goes yeah. against the grain of what like the rock community holds up on a pedestal. Sure. Because she's a woman. Because she's trans and. So she's playing like the small sure. places right next to the, the huge stadiums yeah. that he's selling out. But he just stole her music and, and everyone like holds that up on a pedestal. Yeah. Sure. I
1: mean it's the same thing that Elvis did. You know? Yeah. Straight yeah. up in yeah, a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, yeah. You know? He was like, man, these songs are great. I'm white. I'm going to do them too. Yeah. Yeah. And then he was, you know, the king of rock and roll. Right. Yeah. Straight up. Um, what's also interesting is to think about the film career of John Cameron Mitchell that comes next. Right, yeah. Because he <laughs> does some pretty interesting things. He does a movie called Short Bus, which I haven't yeah, seen. Yeah, it's been on my watch list for Short a while. Short
0: Bus, yeah, I remember... I think the first time I actually heard about Hedwig and the Angry Inch was from... uh like, I used to listen to the Everton and Roper podcast. Like, that was, like, the first podcast I ever listened sure. to on my, like, tiny little, uh, gray iPod mini. Oh, hell yes. And so, like, in 2006, this movie Short Bust came out, and they were just talking about it, and they were, like, uh... It's about a sex therapist who has never had an orgasm. And I'm like, I'm 13. I don't know what any of these yeah. things are. But yet I'm turned on anyway. And
1: then he does Rabbit Hole, which he is like a, a movie about, and I'm totally going off,
0: but what I believe it's about, is um, it's about grief, right? <laughs> it is about, uh, it's based on a play. By David Lindsay Abear, who also wrote the book for the Shrek musical. Oh,
1: hell yeah! David that's how Lindsay he made Hibbert. That's how
0: he made his money. He made his money being a, a, a good playwright from all intents and purposes, but he made good Bank. money from writing yeah. the Shrek musical. Uh, but it is about a couple whose, I think, kid dies in like a free car accident or something. Yeah, like and that. then he like comes back as
1: like an older man, or is it a kid again who comes back?
0: I don't know. Oh, yeah. are you talking... That's, I think that's... Are you thinking of Birth? The Jonathan Glazer Oh, movie? I am thinking of Rabbit Birth. Rabbit Hole, I think, is just like a very straightforward... It's like an adaptation of a stage play. Yes, it is. You're right. Um, you're right. I'm thinking of something different. I think... Yeah, you're thinking of Birth. The Jonathan, I want to say, Glazer Jonathan movie. Glazer, I've never yeah. seen that. Who also, very interesting director. Yeah, Glazer's interesting. Um, but so he does Rabbit Hole, and he like...
1: P- p- Nicole Kidman is like Oscar nominated oh, there, for like, that. Oh, the first day of in, my in life
0: Hole? Yeah. Oh. oh. No, that... That movie always that that song makes me. Uh,
2: he did the you pre- directed me. the music
0: video for that. You know what the music video for that is? No, I
2: don't. Oh, it's so actually,
0: sweet. it's do you know. Are you familiar with the song First Day of My Life"? Yeah. So you know it's just this very sweet, gentle song, <laughs> and what it is is just these kind of vignettes of people either by themselves or with their loved ones listening to the song, It's like through headphones, and this their reaction to what's going on. And, you know, it's it's like you know sometimes just like a, a youngish couple, hmm. family with a baby. There's a dog. Oh. There's like. You know LGBT couples that show up in, like kind of the dog, dog have guys. the
2: headphones on. The dog, yes, that's awesome. On.
0: And then there's like a couple people that show up by themselves that they're holding a picture of you, assume like a loved one that has passed on. Gotcha. It just makes me so okay. It's so happy
2: to cry. Bring it up. Do it. <laughs> then he does how to talk to girls at parties. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it's like
2: I don't know. <laughs> haven't I, seen I, it. <laughs> have no interest in yeah, seeing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I have seen it. it. I watched it because of my obsession with Headway. Okay, and. It's not very good. It's Uh, not very good. That was an A
0: twenty four release. It it, it it was was. hard
2: to watch. There, there's a line that l Fanning says that uh, do more punk to me. No shit.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, you want to know the uh, box office on that one? Yep. Yeah. Three hundred eighty two thousand dollars.
1: Pretty good. More
0: money than I've ever (laughs) had. That's pretty good, considering,
1: uh, I guess it cost, what, $5 a day? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I I think Hedwig, you know, it stems from him playing the character for years on the off-Broadway thing and him writing it and understanding so much about that. And I think that's why that movie stands the test of time and is probably the highlight of his... um, like but his at least filmmaking career. Sure. Me, um, I, I don't want to doubt him. Maybe he could do something. I mean, I don't this. think any of us have seen Rabbit Hole, so who knows? Maybe yeah, Rabbit is right. yeah. astounding. I understand
0: her. Nicole Kidman. I think she got nominated for an Oscar. She did. That. Yeah. Uh, that's okay. just because Nicole Kidman's a great
2: actor. Right. She's a god. But she's also in How to Talk to Girls at Parties. Oh. Interesting, Nicole Kidman. Very interesting career. Interesting turn in that movie. Shape. Interesting
0: Please. Tom Cruise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> interesting being married to Tom right, Cruise right, and getting right.
1: eyes wide shut at yep. the same And time.
0: she's married to Keith Urban now and seems to be over the moon.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, who wouldn't? He's a hottie. Dude. Yeah. I'm happy for them.
0: Oh, my God. I was looking up the How to Talk to Girls at Parties because I was like, who is the artist that is on that that I uh, really like? And there's a Mitski song on there. Oh, there Mitski you go. Mitski and Juju, the, the uh, in, interesting in the soundtrack. Interesting soundtrack. It takes yeah. place in the 80s. I know, but there's. F- I'm looking at the yeah. How to Talk to Girls at Parties original motion picture soundtrack on uh, I, on uh, Spotify, and there's Juju, and there I think that's how you pronounce X I U X I U. Is that Juju? No. Whatever. Yeah, and, and there's um, an Ezra Furman song on it, and there's a Mithke there song. There is. This yeah, is exhausting Ezra here. Furman. How to Talk I think they're all original songs. It's not like they're putting in like Your Best American Girl in front I- I of. I love of Ezra Zee. Furman. I
2: didn't realize he did a song for that movie. I love Ezra Furman too. Ezra Furman. Coming up on the podcast,
0: maybe? I always refer to him as a new album. Yes, know, he does. He has a new album? Well, anyway, well, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, so, we'll so, bring it that, bring it back. Um, so bring it back to Hedwig. I also I
1: just want to say I'm not shitting on the structure of Hedwig. Okay. I think it works. No, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it works. I'm just, in my mind, having had theater experience and now having film experience, I have to imagine that that structure works even better on stage. Yes. I think so, too. I and, think that, yeah. in oh, yeah. the movie, it's a little bit clunky to start, at least in my eyes. Yeah, and then once yeah, you're yeah. watching it, you just are like, okay, this is it. Because you're so interested in this character. Right. And, you know, this is an impossible... And the soundtrack rocks. <laughs> the soundtrack does yeah. rock. But what I'm about to say is an impossible thing to think about because there's just no way to know. Right. But John Cameron Mitchell is like maybe, like, the biggest reason why this movie works. Yes. Just in every... Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whether it's his performance or whether it's his direction or whether it's his, you know, book to script to the screen or whether it's his, like, singing or whatever it is. It just, you know, him being sort of the tour de force and the driving force behind this is really what I think makes this so spectacular. And it's impossible to say, oh, if this was Daniel Day-Lewis, would this not be as good? Or, oh, if this was... Well, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe, maybe Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. <clears throat> but like, it's impossible to say otherwise. But like, at least watching what's on screen and knowing what we know about this movie, just John Cameron Mitchell's thing for me makes this an absolute recommend.
0: Yeah, I I recommend it too. Um, just because it's like I think it was something that uh, I'd heard about it for years and years and years and never sat down to watch, it just because I thought it might have been like overhyped. And I was just very pleasantly surprised with kind of how uh, how. It's both, it's like kind of big in scale, big in emotion, but it's just very much just like this, watching this person try to become whole, uh, uh, work through the myriad traumas of their life and try to come out the other side more whole. Uh, That's a theme that I like, it's a theme that I really respond to, and I was very pleasantly surprised that that was what this movie ended up being about. I think that if you, uh, I also just think that the, the soundtrack for this, this fucking rocks, if you just want to listen to the song just because you want to hear some good ass rock songs, uh, you should do that too. So it's a pretty big recommendo for me. Before we get to what Jack has to say, <laughs> um, the fucking, uh,
1: just the ways that they show the being whole on screen yeah literally east and west berlin you know like is like a a manifestation of that metaphor the story of the origin of love and those animations with the faces getting put
2: back together getting put back
1: together literally his slash her you know surgery Mm -hmm. you know not being whole the angry inch itself just there's so many smart ways that that metaphor comes into play and what's so impressive to me and not only just writing for the screen but just writing in general is when Metaphors that are very powerful are made clear and easy to understand. Yeah. And although this is, in my mind, a very thought-provoking and at times elusive theme of being whole, like what does that really mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah It's right. done in a very engaging, visually interesting, and
2: thought-provoking way.
0: I think so, yeah. Sorry, Jack. Jack.
2: Go watch this movie. <laughs> it's great. I I had just been watching it, you know, on my TV forever and then um, got to see it at the Frida. Oh, nice. Because they did the 4K restoration. And, uh... No one wanted to go with me, so I went by myself. Hell yes. So I'm not I love out on that. This. We love seeing movies by and ourselves. And it was so fun because there's a sequence in uh, Wig in the Box where it's like the sing-along, and they all pop their heads oh, up. Oh, yeah. Everyone in the theater is singing along, and I was like that. Was it full theater? No. Oh. I mean, there were probably like 10 or 15 people. It was like a Sunday night. Oh, okay. But it was still fun, and I, I remember my mom even talking to me about this um, recently because there's a part in... Uh, midnight Radio yeah. at the end of it when everyone's to, like it's like lift up your hands and she's like seeing that in a, in a theater like the one that she works at and everyone is lifting their hands up it's just crazy how it like can come over an audience and sure. And also I think um, John Kerry Mitchell talks about how easy it is and interesting to see all the different people play it it has a big the, the actual stage play has a big presence in like China in in Japan and Hmm. uh, don't quote me on those places I know that like in in the Asian market there's like a big presence and I think they talk about in the documentary about how okay now that we're no longer doing it and this is kind of gaining some traction all these other places want to put on our show wow and John Kerry Mitchell just saying how interesting other people can like slip into it but also make it their own wow and and how that's really cool like Hedwig is kind of like a, a larger than life universal character and people can find their in on it it's awesome
0: great it's really cool you love to hear folks Jesus. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs>
2: um,
1: Jack, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Jack, thank you so much for, you for having me. Thank you so much for driving up the, the scary drive from Orange County big to LA scary, County. Scary. Um scary, We usually ask our guests if they want to plug anything. You'll find out that I never do, but do you want to plug anything <laughs> on the podcast? I
2: would plug my thesis, but I'm not ready to plug my thesis. Yes, no. <laughs> but I want plug that you will be making a thesis. I will be making a thesis. Uh, maybe by the time this comes out, there will be some sort of crowdfunding for it? Possibly. Um, Hedwig was a big inspiration on it and i've I've been pulling a lot from that and also trying to make it my own but uh hell yeah buddy that's why i love this movie so much
0: keep an eye out for that do you have a working title homecoming queen homecoming queen homecoming queen keep an eye out for homecoming queen everybody uh yeah thanks for listening uh you want to get what are you gonna plug what am i gonna plug uh my other podcast the barn a podcast about the shield where we talk about the shield every week uh what else do i want to (coughs) plug excuse me um you that plug a plug allergy medicine. Nice. Uh, I'd like to plug. Uh, I'm stealing my bag. What, what's your <laughs> well, what's, what's your favorite allergy medicine? Uh, I'm a big I'm a Claritin boy through okay. and through. I'm uh, a
1: Zyrtec guy, but I respect it. I'm, I'm respect, Zyrtec. Respect. I'm with you on that one.
0: Ooh. Yeah. I don't know Zyrtec for whatever reason for me just does not work as quickly as I want it to. I don't know. I've never always been a Claritin. Not boy. patient. I'm not patient. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Find my Instagram at hotdogdebicky, hotdogthefooddebicky, Elizabeth Bickey, or at goodsky, T-O-N-I-T-E. I'm taking pictures of the sky. Uh, taking a page from Noah's book, I would also like to plug, uh, this is something I did recently. If you're in Los Angeles, or if you're visiting Los Angeles, yes. uh, and you have a car, or you can find transportation, uh, take a drive up to the Angels Crest Highway, which is in oh, wow. uh, Pasadena. You can get it right off the 2. The 2 dropped you off right there. And it is just—I uh, drove up there last night just to get a little peace and quiet from the city and to look at some stars. And I gotta say, just being in the middle of nature, with the stars above you, no sign of the city whatsoever—just mountains and, and trees and crickets. That's the stuff, folks. You gotta do it. So that's that's all I got for you this week, Noah. Well, that's great. I'm gonna plug a podcast. <laughs> Hell yeah, buddy. <laughs> Uh, Wasn't doing On Your Way to the Angel's Crest Highway. <laughs> this is
1: not, in uh, any stretch of the imagination, an underrated podcast. It's just a podcast that I've recently started listening to. Okay. Nick Weiger and Mike Mitchell's Doughboys, Doughboys. podcast. Oh. Just recently come yeah. across that one. Our good friend of the show, Rocky, yeah. recommended it to me. Um, I knew Mike Mitchell. He's on the show Love. He plays Randy on mm-hmm. Love. Nick Weiger is just a really super funny dude. who's just done a lot of cool stuff with both UCB and just writing for like Adult Swim and stuff like that. Both really super funny guys. They have great comedy guests. Rocky's uh, recommended to me the episode with Carl Tart, if you're familiar with Carl Tart, another UCB comedian who's also written on, like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine and stuff. Interesting. He did an episode, I think, in 2017 about Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles, which is just really good. There's some really funny stuff in that. And then if you're a fan of Comedy Bang Bang, Scott Ackerman just did an episode about Marie Callender's, which is a place he used to work, and has some really (laughs) funny stories about that. So I'm going to plug... Doughboys, not that it needs my plug, but uh, I've just been enjoying that one of late. And uh, yeah,
0: uh, Jack, thanks for being
1: here. Jack, yeah. thanks for having Thanks so much, buddy.
0: We'll see y'all next time. Bye.